So my advice to someone getting started really is look at whose business and life, by the way, that you want and ask them if you can mentor with them. After being in the fitness industry for over 20 years now, I think it's safe to say I can generally pick up pretty quickly when someone knows their stuff or not. After all, in this day and age, it's really easy to tell if someone is actually doing what they say or if they're just regurgitating what someone else has told them along the way. So when my new favorite person, Shantae Cofield, told me I should interview her business partner, Jill Coleman, for the Physical Prep Podcast because she was a real-life boss, I was immediately intrigued. So looking back, Jill is one of those people that I've read about over the years. I've heard her name for numerous years in the fitness industry, but we'd never met either in person or via the internet. But let me tell you this, she did not disappoint in this episode of the podcast. In case you're unfamiliar with Jill and her story, here's a brief synopsis. Like many of us, Jill was tired of working 50, 60, and 70 plus hour weeks in the gym just to barely scrape by. And in fact, all this came to a head on a random Friday night when she chose training her clients over her friends, her family, and any hope of a social life. But I'll leave that full story for the show. Now, instead of lamenting where she was at in life and continuing to just trudge along, Jill decided to make some big moves. In 2010, she started Jill Fit, a fitness and nutrition blog that helped people overcome their obsession with food and exercise. And as that grew and evolved, so did she. Nowadays, she helps health, fitness, and nutrition professionals start and grow their online coaching businesses to make more money and create more impact for their clients as well as themselves. So needless to say, I think there's a ton we can all learn from Jill, and I couldn't be more excited to have her on the show here today. Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development, basically anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. Now, I've been in this online game thing since 2003, so I'm no stranger to this space. I've created content, written articles, built a fully-fledged online business that has supported myself and my family for years. But as you know, I'm always a student of the game. And as we were going through this this episode and this interview, I found myself taking a ton of notes throughout and really dialing into some of the stuff that Joe had to say. So if you're totally new to the online world, you're going to love her thoughts on getting started. Real, tangible advice. Or maybe you need to figure out how to create the time and energy necessary to build an online business. Well, we got you covered there as well. And last but definitely not least... Jill's little monologue on the three levels of content and five types of social media posts alone may be one of the most actionable segments I've ever had on this show, so you definitely don't want to miss that. Now, normally I do my little weekly recap and life update here, but since I'm in Slovenia and wrapping up my Complete Coach Seminar this week, I'm going to table that until next week. But I promise I'll give you full details on that experience once I get back. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to jump into this amazing new episode with Jill Coleman. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. 
Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is going to take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. To get on the insider's list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Jill, thank you so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super honored. We have a mutual friend, the Movement Maestro, yes. and any friend of hers is a friend of mine, so <laughs> I appreciate the invite and super excited to chat today. So yeah, for those who are listening, who maybe are unfamiliar with Jill Fit, that's my company. Uh, we've been, we started in 2010 and started as a blog, as a fitness blog. And this is back when people yes. were reading a lot of long form content, yeah. um, came up through like the MySpace, Facebook error and um, started just doing one-on-one coaching online. At that time, I had been a personal trainer for about 12 years working in the gym, as I'm sure many listening have, um, working literally probably 70 to 80 hours a week. So teaching a ton of fitness classes, personal training up to 12 clients a day. Day, um, and doing the fitness hustle. And like most, we get into this space because we want to help people and we love fitness and we love uh, seeing people transform their body and their mind and all that in their life as a result of the gym. And what happened was over time, I just started getting burned out like a lot do. And I was waking up at 415 every morning and I was doing split shifts and um, find myself starting to feel burned out and just really exhausted. And but at the same time, I love my clients and I was having a lot of really amazing conversations in person. And so I was like, ah, I have all this knowledge and I have all these great questions and I want to put them somewhere. So I started the blog as one does. And I, at the time, didn't really have a, I mean, I had an expertise, but I wasn't, I didn't consider myself like a total expert, but sure. I was really good at being consistent. And so I blogged every single day for two years straight. And at that wow. point, there just wasn't as many people doing what we do in the space. And so we grew a really loyal readership pretty quickly. And so people were asking me, do you do training? Do you do online coaching or nutrition? At that point, I was actually competing in figure competitions. Okay. So Dilfa started as a competition you know, team or whatever. And we had people competing and we put people on diets and stuff like that. And within 18 months, we had grown the online portion of the business to, to six figures. And so I quit all of my training, which was tough with my clients, yeah, yeah. Um, but moved online and started doing more distance coaching at that point. And within about two years, people started asking me like, how are you doing what you're doing? So I just taught them the blogging model. That was what I had done. And, you know, right. just be super consistent. 
And over time, um, you know, I started doing some more business mentorship and teaching people, or at least pulling back the curtain on my own business and showing them what we were doing. We had about five coaches at the time. And then it sort of started slowly morphing into a more of a fitness business company. And now I would say probably two thirds or three quarters of the business is business coaching for health and wellness professionals. And the last part is still, I'm still a meathead at heart. So we still do some fitness and nutrition direct to consumer stuff as well. But yeah, the, uh, the business is, it's great, but we do a lot of stuff for fitness professionals and and mentorship for them. I love it. I love it. So talk to me, let's go before. Go back even further, though, before you started coaching, what got you into physical preparation? Like, how did you get started in this space, like, in the very beginning? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this question because I feel really lucky that I was one of those people who just like loved fitness. Yeah. Like I remember when all, you know, my friends were like, I don't know what to be when I grow up. I don't know what I'm going to major in in college or I don't know what. And I was literally like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be fitness. <laughs> and so I was lucky enough to be able to go to a university that had an exercise science program. Um, I was the captain of the rowing team. I was teaching group fitness classes all through college. And still literally like the week of graduation, you know, my, my parents were like, so what job do you get? And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. You know, um, and luckily I was able to, I got a job running the university fitness center. So I was able to still do like the whole like salary and benefits and still work in fitness. So I feel really grateful for that, but it was never, never anything else. There was never any, I didn't know what it was going to look like. It's obviously evolved so much over time, but that was when I started doing fitness competitions, triathlons, and just doing like pretty much I've worked every single job there is in the gym. Like right. my very first job at 16, I was running the the nursery <laughs> at a gym. <laughs> so I've done everything. Yeah. Um, and so I was one of those lucky people who just fell in love with fitness, didn't have a huge transformation or anything like that. Just loved being physical and felt, I mean, obviously sports and things like that give you that sense of self-efficacy and self-confidence. And I just got addicted to that. So chances are when you're like good at something, you just go, well, I wonder if I can make money at this. So yes. I was lucky. Very cool. Very cool. Now, one more question before we kind of dive hardcore into what you're doing today. Talk to me about those early years as a trainer, because I mean, I remember that, right? I remember when I did in-home and you're up at 445, first clients at six, you don't get home till eight. Talk to me about that time and talk to me about where your passion drives you to a burnout. Like just walk me through that and how that feels and what that (laughs) process was like for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. My very first job in fitness, I was making $23,000 a year. It was a salary benefits. And I was like, I couldn't believe how lucky I was. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm going to get $23,000 a year to literally just be in a a gym all day and and train clients. Of course, I made a little bit extra if I trained people like individually, but you know, I'm going to be honest. I was not a great trainer at first. I think like most are right. Yeah. I think we have to, and I, I feel bad if you're listening and like you threw up during one of my sessions. One time. <laughs> I was not a great trainer. You know, yeah. I was very much like, you know, push someone hard. And I had a lot of, you know, I, uh, middle-aged men who just thought they were still in high school and would come in and, you know, so I made all the mistakes. Yeah. Um, but over time you start to really get better and get good and keep taking on clients. And so, um, those first couple of years were rough. And then after that started getting better to the point where I was actually living in a small town in North Carolina to where I was kind of the best trainer in town. And I just, when I was starting to get burned out, I read this book, really important book for me. It was called the power of full engagement. And it was not about time management. I don't know if you ever heard it, but it's about yeah, energy. Management. It. Yeah. It's amazing. So it, it completely changed my life in like 2007. Yeah. 
Um, and I started making some small tweaks to my schedule because I was doing, and this is the thing about personal training. And if you're listening to this and you're a trainer, like we love what we do. And we also say yes to everything. And, you know, that's partially why we become successful to the point of, you know, almost overwhelm. There's a lot of scarcity in our industry. If you think about like gym owners, right. They're always worried that the, that the trainers are going to take the clients yeah. and, you know, it's always like who can be the cheapest and you got these $10 a month, you know, so yeah. it, the gym industry breeds a lot of scarcity. So as trainers, we come in and we'll take any money to do anything. I, I, and so I had this moment in 2007 and I was driving across town at eight o'clock at night on a Friday night to train one client for $15. Oh my God. And my, my family and my friends are like out to dinner, doing weekend stuff, relaxing. And I remember driving like 20 minutes across town for $15 eight o'clock at night on a Friday and going like, what am I doing right now? Like, how did I get here? That this is my schedule. Yeah. And I realized that I did it to myself. And it was one of those moments where you just pick your head up and you just go, yeah, I can't keep doing this. And I'm in charge of my schedule. So why am I making myself miserable? But again, it's that, that scarcity that drives you yeah. that scarcity and urgency of like, I need to take this client or else someone else will. Yep. And so you feel a lot of scarcity in the industry. And so one of the things that I did, I did several things, um, is I cut my time slots in half. So for example, if you, if you're a trainer, you know, we have these like dead 15, 20, 30 hour long set between clients. Yep. And what do we do during that 30 minute break? Nothing. We just right. eat real quick and check our email or something, but it's wasted time. So I started just bashing my clients and I did them back to back. I went from 60 minute sessions to 30 minute sessions, which was tough, but I had to tell my clients, here's how you warm up on your own. Here's how you cool down on your own. I'll meet you. We'll do 30 minutes of intense exercise, but that's it. So they saved a little bit of cash. So actually made it cheaper for them. And I back to back batch my clients. So I literally would do seven in a row and I would only do them either in the morning, like six to nine 30 in the morning, or I would do them at night, like four to seven 30. Beautiful. That one or the other, I wouldn't do both anymore. So I actually stopped doing split shifts. Now about, I would say 10% of my clientele did leave, but the rest who stayed were actually paying a little bit more per 30 minutes than the hour price point. And I had a lot less people cancel yeah. because it easier for compliance. They didn't have to sit there for an hour with me and like, you know, really dread the hour long session right. was 30 minutes. And I doubled my prices. And that was really scary for me because I was like, well, no one else is charging even close to this, but I need to figure out a way to filter out my clients. And I did lose, like I said, about 10% of my clientele, but I ended up making more in general. And I also started having more time and that was really the key. So I started making decisions based on time and not money. And as a result of it, I ended up making more money, but I had to really like steal myself and get my courage up. But it took me about two years to make all those all those changes. Yeah. But as a result of opening up my time, I was able to now start blogging and be consistent on social media and do things like that. So it's not about time management. You know, this Mike, it's about energy management yes. as a personal trainer. You're, you do a split shift. If you have hours in the middle of the day where you don't have clients, you're not doing social media. You're not writing blogs. You're not doing email marketing, right? You're coming right. home, you're showering, you're eating, you're taking a nap, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you just yeah. don't have. So even if you have the quote unquote time, you might not have the mental energy, yeah. totally different way of working. Like the social media stuff and the creative creativity work, totally different than like just grinding it out in the gym, both for awesome, but doing that mode switching is really hard. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So 
I really want to dive into this idea of moving online, brand management, all the things that we know you're world class at. And we know a lot of people want to start an online business, right? Trainers and coaches, they've been pitched this for like a decade now, but in the last two to three years, for obvious reasons, people are way into this and seeing it as a reasonable and viable way to increase their income. So with social media being what it is, we all love to share the highlight reel and you know what we've been su- super successful with. Were there any times early on when you moved online when you just crashed and burned? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I actually I really appreciate this question because I do want to sort of normalize this is there definitely is going to be ebbs and flows in your creativity. So I was lucky that it took me a few years to hit that rut, what I would consider to be a creative rut. Um, and remember when you're online, so much of how you get your clients, cause that's always a big question, right? It's like, how do I get clients? How right, do I get clients? Right. And oftentimes your first clients are going to be people you already know. They'll be friends, family, acquaintances, local people who maybe just don't fit into your schedule, but maybe you can take online virtually. Um, and, but a lot of ways that we get our clients or attract our clients online comes from the content that we create. So the content can be audio like this. Yep. It can be video content like YouTube. It can be written content like in captions and things like that. And that's a different skill set, right? That's a very cerebral way of working. You have to be an idea generator. You have to be able to critically think. You have to be able to actually like write. I mean, for many of the clients I work with, they haven't written since high school, like a term paper, you know? So like telling them they have to write on social media every day, it's a different skill set. Um, so I was lucky that the first couple of years I was pretty much like on a rocket ship in terms of just like feeling like I had a lot of creativity. I was super motivated, super passionate. And then probably like about three years in, I had my very first like creative rut. And the closest thing I can explain how it felt is kind of like depression where you just feel listless. You just Mm -hmm. feel like I have no thoughts in my head right now. I don't really feel like it wasn't at the point like I didn't want to get in bed, but it was more like. And I was like, did I just use up all my ideas? Right. <laughs> I was really yeah. scared. First time I was like, I use my brain to build my business. I use my brain to attract clients um, and make money. So I was really, really scared the first time that it happened. So I was like, this is my IP, right? This is my, you know, right. this is my, how I make money. So, um, and I remember feeling really nervous, but I just said, well, I just got to ride it out. I got to just honor it. It just is what it is. And so I did a lot of like repurposing content and, you know, just recycling old content and just maybe not being as consistent for a time. And then inevitably, and this has happened a few times in the last decade, inevitably there, I usually I'm able to get myself out of it by just sort of honoring it and sort of just floating in that (laughs) just like base of there's really not, I don't have an idea. So if you're feeling that way, or if you experience that, just know that it always comes back. It's always transient, but you have to trust. And so, yeah, it was, a, it was a several months. And then all of a sudden I was like, cool, I'm excited about this new challenge I'm putting on, or I was excited about this book I just read, or, you know, so yeah. it was a great time also to just, instead of producing, cause we produce so much online, instead of producing, just absorb, listen to Mike's podcast, right? Listen to other podcasts, just have, get new inputs. Like yes. you might need to join a mentorship or a mastermind or go to a live event or a conference or something to pull you out of your like normal routine and get exposed to new inputs. So for me, that's always what I do. I'm like, Oh, here it is again. You know, now I don't get as worried because I know it's going to come back, but I'm like, cool, what do I need to do? Do I need to join a mastermind? Do I need to join a mentorship? Do I need to get a coach? Do I need to uh, start listening to other, 
do I need to start reading fiction novels? Like anything to just like yank me out of that sort of that creative rut. And it's happened, I don't know, several times since then, but yeah, that's normal. You're not going to be blazing with passion every second of your business. I wish that was the case, but yeah. if you want to have a long career, there's going to be some moments where you're just not as, uh, as motivated. Well, I'm so glad you said that because I think one that happens to all of us, right? Like I've created content probably since 2003 in some way, shape or form right? Like you're just not consistent 24 seven, we're not machines. But I love that idea of finding other inputs. And that's one of the things that I love about the podcast and talking to people like you or Shantae or people that I don't have regular interactions with. It's like we talk and it's like, oh, now I'm onto this new thing. And it like rekindles that passion a little bit and it keeps it going. So I think that's great advice. Like if you are stuck, find maybe a little bit different circle or a different input, somebody new to tap into and more times than not, you're going to get that juice going again. Yeah. And I'm sure you've read um, The War of Art by mm -hmm. Stephen Pressfield, yes. right? So I always go back to that and the idea of just like, if you are a professional, you know, like I'm not out here trying to have flash in the pan success. I'm out here having a long career. Like that's, right. you know, this is actually a career. It's not, I'm not a blogger. I'm not a online trainer. I'm, I have a, you know, I'm a business owner. I'm a CEO. Right. And so if I want to have a long career, I, I have to do the things even when I don't feel like it. Now, that doesn't mean, and I think this is, especially if you're new to this space, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that every single post or every single you know, piece of content needs to be a home run. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a mistake. I think if you're sitting around hoping that every single post is going to get a ton of likes and a ton of shares and a ton of follows and all those sort of shiny metrics, you're going to get disappointed. And you're going to tap out really fast. So when you look at it, I hate to say like, use the word like anti, anti-perfectionism, but in a way you do have to be okay. Just checking the box some days yes. when you're not. And of course there's always times where you're like so pumped up and you feel like you're just so aligned and, and everything is popping off. Those are great. Like ride those waves. Right. And then there's going to be times where things don't feel aligned and you don't know where to go. And you're not exactly sure of your next step, but you have to keep showing up to your business, whatever that looks like. And for me, it's looked at, it's looked like, you know, taking old content, repurposing old content. Like you said, you know, like <laughs> accessing other people. Hey, let's do a collaboration. Let's get you on the podcast. Let's do something else. So I'm not having to create all the content from scratch myself all the time. Yes. And, and just, even if you're posting five days a week, you might cut it down to two or three, but you got to stay with that low level of relevancy, if you want a long business, it can't, you can't be like, well, I'm not motivated by like, you know, that's fine. But if you really want a long career, you do have to do the hard stuff. And so like Stephen Pressfield says, you sit your, you know, your butt in the chair and you produce, even yes. if it's not perfect work, right. But yes. you've got to show up every day because that's what a professional does. It's not an amateur is like, well, this is too hard. I'm going to tap out. It's like, yeah, but that's what makes you a professional is that you I don't want to say force yourself, but in a way you just go, yep, well, I don't care if I need to do it or not. And there's going to be times where it's exciting and whatever. Other times it's just, you just check the box. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So the idea of moving online or online coaching sounds great on paper and it is great, right? You've done it. I've done it. Especially when you have the idea of, okay, you can in general work a little bit fewer hours. You can work the hours that you want. You can make more money per volume of time on and on. So what holds people back? Because you've worked and coached so many people over the years. What holds people back from getting started and building an online business? Um, I mean, several things. I mean, first, of course, is just like where to start, you know, who to believe. Because, you know, if you're scrolling your Instagram or social media feed, you'll see a 
tons of, you see 10 people who are recommending 10 different strategies to build, right? Start a podcast, do a summit, do, you know, get a website, you know, do high ticket coaching, do low ticket coaching. I mean, there's, there's obviously, <laughs> yeah. so, so my advice to someone getting started really is look at whose business and life, by the way, that you want and ask them if you can mentor with them. Ask them if they have coaching. This is exactly how I started online, exactly how I started. Um, when I started my blog in 2010, like I said, we, for about 18 months, were like really building the business, but we were all doing one-on-one coaching and it was great. But all of my coaches, I had five coaches at the time, everyone was maxed out and we were charging pennies, but we had like hundred something clients. Good problem to have, but I felt really, like I didn't know where to take the business. I'm like, we're all maxed out. How do we make more money? How do we scale this thing? Right. And I reached out to, I mean, you you know, Rachel and Alan Cosgrove, I'm yeah, sure. They of course. Me in long time. They were my very first mentors. Love them. They're incredible. Uh, reached out to Rachel because at the time I was sort of coming out of the fitness modeling space. And I was kind of like, I don't want to learn from like a fitness competitor about business, even though they're on the cover magazine. I'm just like, that's not what I want to do. Rachel at the time had a couple of books published. She had a column in women's health. Her and Alan had a, you know, multiple six figure business working with coaches. So I reached out to Rachel and I said, you know, I don't know if you do coaching, but I would love to do coaching with you. And she said, well, we can start with a 30 minute coaching session and it's $375. And you know me, I mean, again, coming right. out like sports background, I was like, is she crazy? Like what? How do you, <laughs> is that even a number for like, how, you know, I'm charging $30 for 30 minutes. Right. So um, I remember saying to myself, if she can charge that much, I need to figure out how to do it. Yeah. I need to figure out how to charge that much too. And we got on the call and it was a great coaching call. And at the end of that call, she pitched me on their year long mastermind. Of course, now we know it's like turned into a sales call, $10,000. Again, what? Like that's a car, right? I'm thinking to myself. Right. And so I do, I was like, okay, sounds great. I'll let you know. There's no way I'm going to do this. Right. I mean, right. I don't even have a credit card that has a limit that goes up to 10,000. So I sat on it for a couple weeks and my husband at the time was just like, Jill, you know, you got, we got to figure out how to do this. So I launched a brand new program online, just literally within a week. I didn't know what it was going to look like. It was a year long mentorship. I got 14 people to give me hundred dollars a month. And I made 17 grand and I gave 10 to Rachel and I was like, I'm rich. Yeah. But you think about it, like even just the prompt tire Rachel forced me to become a different business owner. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how to get started. You will get so overwhelmed. If you try to listen to a million people, find the person who has the life and the business that you want or that you aspire to and ask them if you can mentor with them. Ask them if they have a coaching program. Chances are they do. A mastermind, a mentorship, a coaching program, something where you can access their roadmap, their IP, the things that they've done, you can actually cut the line. I mean, honestly, that's the fastest way. I mean, to me, coaching is a cheat code. And so Rachel and I, my very first mentors completely changed my life in 2012 when I did their year long mastermind, even though they work mostly with gym owners, I just found so much like Rachel's all about abundance. So like my mindset shifted around that and just gave me a lot of ideas on how to grow the business. So if you're getting started, I think pick one person and just do everything they tell you to do. Because obviously they've had the success that you want. So don't look around, right? Just be like, cool, I'm doing this. I'm gonna do it all the way through. And then if I don't like it, or if it's not for me, or if I need something else, I go to someone else. So to me, coaching is, it's the easiest way. You have to, you you can't figure this stuff. And also if you're a fitness professional, you're not supposed to know how to do this stuff. Business is a skill. 
you know, yeah. sales, marketing. I think oftentimes if we're a good trainer, we think, oh, it's just writing online, right? It's not hard. It's like, no, it is hard. It's a business. People literally go to college for this. So figuring out and, and being gentle with yourself, but realizing that you're probably not going to be able to do it yourself, yes. unfortunately. Dude, there's so many things that I could like side tangent off of. First <laughs> off, iFast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Alan Cosgrove. Uh, I was at Alan's gym in 2007, and I said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to open a gym. He said, great, when are you going to do it? And I said, I don't know, six months to a year. He said, okay, I'm going to hold you to that. And about a year later, we opened a gym. But I think something you said at the very beginning is something that a lot of people miss the whole boat on. And you didn't talk about business. You talked about lifestyle first. And this is something that I've given advice to numerous interns, numerous employees that have gone on into other realms. It's like, hey, you're worried about the kind of business you're going to build or the amount of money you're going to make. Start with your lifestyle first. What does your lifestyle look like? How much do you work? What's your family life like? Uh, You know, like things like that that go way beyond just the X and O's of running a business or how much money, your salary. Those things are way more important. And then you can plug those other things in. But if you haven't thought about the lifestyle you want to live first, you're probably not going to get to the end goal that ultimately makes you happy. Well, then you could just go work for someone else. You know what I mean? Like, my thing is, like, I'm not going to, like, create the life that I want. I might as well just go get a job. Yes. You know, like, so... I think for me, that was a huge shift too, is starting to make decisions based on time and not money. Cause to me, and I know this sounds kind of, maybe this sounds a little flippant or whatever, but like getting clients, not hard, right? If I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to grind and I'm going to book every hour of every day with clients. Yeah. I'll be able to make six figures in three months, but that's not what we really want. We think it's about the number. It's really about, like you said, the lifestyle and what's been ironic about that is making decisions based on time is actually made more money too. So it's not like you have to sacrifice one or the other, but you do have to choose one to start with. And so, you know, but also make sure you're good. It's funny because sometimes I talk to newbies and they're like, well, I only want to work like two hours a day. And I'm like, cool, but also no one knows you. (laughs) Right. Right, The reality check. you. You just got your personal training start like last week. Right. So you can earn. So I'm a big fan of like overwhelming yourself to the point where you get discernment, you know, like how I was at, I was working 70 hours, 80 hours a week in the gym. There was obvious demand there. So then I can start having my preferences. You know, I don't think you come online and you're brand new trainer. I think say yes to everything because over time and as a result of that process, you learn what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And so I think say yes to everything, completely overwhelm yourself to the point where you now are in the right to discernment. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And there's demand there. You've proven that you're, that you are in demand as a coach, a trainer, a business owner, then you can say, you know what, I'm not doing that. And I'm moving away from this and whatever. But at the beginning, I would recommend saying yes to everything and doing all things. Well, and here's something else that I've found important or valuable too, is a lot of times I have interns that come into our gym and they know wholeheartedly, like, I want to train athletes. I want to train gen pop. And we have everything that comes in our gym. So now you have all these different people and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I thought I wanted to train athletes, but I really like gen pop. Like I really just, they're more interesting or whatever. So I think there's that value in that too of like, sometimes you don't know what you want until you've experienced a whole bunch of things first. And then you can hone in and be like, no, these are my people. 
Yeah. And this is such a great like point to bring up because I feel like traditional business coaches, if you've ever coached with, you know, business coach or whatever is they say, you need to know your niche, right? You need, everyone's like, you need to know your niche. You need to know who you're talking to. And what I find is a lot of newbies get paralyzed. They feel paralyzed by that because they don't know. So they're going, well, I can't post online until I know I'm talking to you arrive at who you're talking to as a result of reps. So you don't actually know, and you don't have to know yet. Your people will tell you based on your content. So it's a feedback loop, right? It's like a feed forward cycle. You don't go in going, I'm exactly talking to this person. I mean, you can, you can do the exercises and you can do all the niching stuff, but you still have to, at some point publish. And every time you publish, you get feedback. People either respond, they are engaged, they unfollow, whatever they do, right? We need to have like some sort of something for people to either attract or repel. And then you start to see who stays and who shows up and who gives feedback and who sends you DMs. And all of a sudden you go, oh, that's interesting. I thought I wanted to work with these type people, but these people keep showing up and they're great. And then I can now go to them and ask market research wise, what do they want to see more of? And then I create more content based on that. And so it's this feed forward cycle where your audience actually helps you narrow down your niche. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a mistake to think you need to have all of your ducks in a row to be able to quote unquote, start a business. You post on social media one time, you just started your business. Like to me, that's how I see it. I don't see it as like, get your LLC and get your like, sure. Over time. Yes. You want it to be a real business, but for right now, you can go get a client right now on social media by posting. Love it. Okay. So everybody and their mother, if you've been on Instagram at all lately, is trying to tell other coaches, you got to get online. You got to start this online business. Like it's go time. Rah, rah. But one thing I love about you and Shantae, like you guys are straight shooters. So what are the hurdles? What are the negatives to trying to move into this space? Yeah. So it is not, I used to think that anyone could do this and I just don't think that anyone can do this and not because someone's better than someone else. It's a straight, like, honestly, it's a personality thing. Yes. You have to be very comfortable with uncertainty. You have to be very comfortable with uncertainty. And I think as humans, most of us are not. And I think even when I started, I wasn't. Um, but you, ha- there's always going to be a little bit of uncertainty. You have to be someone who values autonomy and, and can withstand a little bit of risk um, because you're not going to know what it's going to look like. We work with a lot of people who, again, this is uh, most people, they like to know what it's going to look like. Okay. If I put in, and, and I think as a personal trainer, if you're listening to this and you're used to getting paid time for money, it's not the same online. You don't just show up and you're like, well, I just spent an hour, you know, creating a social media post. Where's my hundred bucks? Right. Yeah. Like you're not right. Whereas if you go get a client at a gym, yeah, you make that money, right? You, you train for your time and you make that money. Or if you work a desk job, right? You're like, okay, cool. I'm at the desk from nine to five and I have the salary and I start getting paid the salary today. I just got the job and I start getting pay- a paycheck every two weeks. Online, it's not like that. So I, I typically think about building, especially a personal brand, right? This is where we're talking about a personal brand where someone's connecting with you and your, your opinions and your philosophy and your voice and your, all that kind of stuff is I think about it like pushing a boulder up a hill where it's really hard. And the effort that you're putting in at the beginning is not going to be commensurate with the outcome. Yeah, You're not going to put in an hour of time and get 50 bucks back. You're just not. 
So for a while, you are going to be doing it for free. And I always hate when people say like, oh, if you're not getting paid, you have a fun hobby. I'm like, but at the beginning, you might not be getting paid. Now, there's other ways to measure progress. There's other ways to measure, you know, where people are, you're giving, you're getting feedback, people are consuming your free content and getting results and you're getting better at writing and some of these business skills. Like there's other ways to measure progress. You're building your email list, you're building your audience, like, but it's not going to be so transactional. If you're coming from a time for money background or a corporate background, it you might not be able to withstand that time because you go, this is a waste of my time. Yeah. I'm posting on social and nothing's happening. But, and this is the really ironic, almost cool part about it, is at some point you get to the top of that hill. You've pushed the boulder up and you push it over the top. And then what happens on the way down? You actually get more back for less effort. Yeah. You know what I'm sort of saying yeah, with that? Absolutely. Like you get more opportunities. You're not fighting tooth and nail for every single follower, subscriber, sale. You're getting much more business than the effort you're putting in. And that takes time. In yeah. my experience, it takes about 18 to 24 months if someone is consistent, if they're showing up consistently on social, because we're in the trust business, aren't we? Yeah. And trust by nature takes time to build. The idea that you deserve money for posting on social is ridiculous to me. But a lot of people come in and they go, I'm working so hard. This is what I hear. I'm working so hard. I'm like, everyone's working hard, right? There's a price of admission. Right. So at some point, so you do need to know yourself and you have to love your message, right? Your, your message and your charge and the thing that you want to help people with, that's going to be your compliance tool because you're not going to be making money hand over foot at the beginning. However, again, at some point you push the boulder over the hill and now you're making even more money for your effort. Yeah. And you probably had experience. You've been in business a long time where you're like, oh yeah, like opportunities are coming to me. I'm not having to go out and really work every second. Of course we work, but you've built up a body of work that now speaks for itself. But you need to get there. And the idea that someone is going to trust you immediately when you just showed up online, unfortunately, this is not the way it works. None of us. It doesn't work like that for any of us. So everyone starts with one subscriber. Everyone starts with one follower. Everyone starts with one sale, one client. You know, I had a mentor once who said if you because he was a speaker, that was his big thing. He was a speaker and he was yeah. a uh, author. And he said, people ask me, how do I speak? How to speak on stages? And I say, get one client first right? You have to start there because yep. over time, yes, more opportunities. So I think a lot of this has to, comes down to expectation management. Shantae and I talk about that quite a bit where we just like, we want people to have the expectation that it's going to be hard. So then if it happens faster, it's like pleasant surprise. But for most people, it's usually at 18 to 24 months where things like start really, okay, now like we're at the point where this thing's probably not going to go under. It's viable now. Yeah. Can I ask you a random question? Yeah. What is the longest it's taken you to create a product or a program, or maybe like what's the average time it takes you to create something new from scratch? I mean, I guess it just depends on what it is, right? So I'm a big fan of sell it first, make it next. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. me too. Yeah, I like that. You know, and I think a lot of people feel like they need to have their ducks in a row before they can go and sell something. Um, like, like I told you that, I told you a story about working with Rachel Cosgrove Literally, I was like, I have no idea what this is going to look like, but I just trust myself to deliver a product. I'm just going to create it. And I did. I just went to the marketplace and said, I have this thing and I'm, I'm going to take 14 people. And I got 14. And then it was a year long program that I created as I went along. So most of my programs actually get created as I go. Yep. Uh, but something like I just launched a fitness program called Physique 40. I created that obviously in advance. Uh, it depends on like if it's a course. 
it just depends on how much video, how much, you know, how many things go into it. Yeah. But a lot of what we do is coaching, you know, Shantae and I have a program together called legacy. It's a mentorship. So there's certain, there's a bunch of live calls, but we do have some standalone pre-recorded trainings that people get. There's a Facebook group, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it definitely takes a couple of weeks, but yeah. okay. you know, I have- sorry, Here, here's where I was going with that is what most people don't understand is like you said, they think, okay, I'm online day one, I'm making money, right? Versus okay. you, you know how it really is. Hey, it's going to take in your words, 18 to 24 months, the way I used to describe it to when I was like writing online and blogging and doing all those same things that you did, people would say, well, how long do I need to do it before I can see a response? And I'm like, are you comfortable doing this once a week for a year and nobody other than maybe yourself, your significant other and your mom reading it? And if the answer is no, like don't, just don't even start because you're not gonna be successful. You have to be in it for the long haul. Totally, and you also, you also have to really like it, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. You know, like you're going to be on social media a lot. And so the answer to how long do I have to do this? It's forever, yeah. you know, yeah. like, I'm 12 years in my business, I'm still creating content on social media every day. You know, now you can outsource it. You can certainly build your team and do things like that, but I don't care. Million dollar business. I still have to create posts, <laughs> you yes. know, like my, my own coaches had a $10 million business and he still has to create posts. Now he can have someone else do it for him and like create some of that content for him, but still have to do day one stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I don't know that it ever changes. So again, you have to really love the process when people are like, I'm not good at technology. I'm like, you have an online business, like, <laughs> you have to learn technology, right? Either like, you got to learn it or you got to have somebody else that can do it for you. Right. Yeah. There's no, it's your job. You know, I don't yeah. like, I don't like social media. I don't be on social media all the time. Cool. Have some boundaries in place, but like you have to be on social if you have a personal brand, unless you just yeah. have a ton of money to put into ads or something like yeah. that and do some paid traffic. Other than that, you have to be, it's just you and you want a high, you know, high profit margin. Yeah, it's going to be you showing up every day in your business. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Okay, so trainer or coach listening to this show, they're where we were 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, 60, 70, 80 hour weeks, killing themselves in the gym. They want to get online. What are maybe one or two actionable first steps to help them get started? Yep. Okay, so I'll tell you two things. Number one is you have to create time in your schedule for creative time. Now, that's always going to be the hardest thing. So people beat themselves up because they come home from a long day of personal training, they get home at eight o'clock at night, and they're like, I know I should be posting on social, but they don't have the, the, the mental energy, right? So you have to know yourself. Like I said, one of the things I did was I took all of my clients either in the mornings, the whole morning, or the whole afternoon. So I left the other half of the day for content creation. One of the things that if you can, especially for most of us, we're most creative in the morning because we're fresh off a full night's sleep. So maybe you don't take clients in the morning, right? Because I don't know about you, but if you're a personal trainer and you're doing it for a long time, you can do that shit with your eyes closed. Like you just, you know, you're a great trainer. You're like, you're thinking about something else in your head. So use the stuff that's going to take the most brain power whenever you're the most creative. For me, it's in the morning. So I just start stop taking clients in the morning. I was like, cool, this is my time. And then I gave myself permission to be done for the day. So you have to pick a pace and make peace with it because there's always so more you can do. So I think that's one yeah. of the biggest things is there's always more you can do. So pick your pace and make peace with it. If it's three times a week on social that you're going to start posting, awesome. So, to, so once you have the time created, what's the best use of that time? So I always... 
I paint like a, a, a visual for my clients that there's sort of three different types of content. And again, we're in the content business because that's how someone knows, you know, if you're trustworthy, it's like reading your content, consuming yeah. your content, seeing those a valuable resource, authority, whatever. So the first is it's the three eyes. So the beat, the bottom of this sort of pyramid is intrigue content, and that's going to be your free content. So this is where someone just tries you on, right? They follow you on social and then they're like, ah, do I like this? Yes or no. Do I want to keep following? Yes or no. Does this resonate with me? Yes or no. And so you need to be creating intrigue content. This is where someone just gets introduced to you. It's low risk for them. They just come across your profile, go ahead and follow. And then they see, okay. Just always where everyone starts is like yep. this low hanging fruit. The second eye is your insight content. And this is what I call a container content. It's more, you have people's attention in a smaller container. So this would be maybe a DM conversation. This would be your email marketing. So getting people onto an email list. This would be a, maybe a closed Facebook group, maybe an SMS if you're collecting people's phone numbers. This is where you have a little bit more attention from them. And this is always gonna be your like warmer leads. These people maybe followed you on social for a time, then you put something in front of them, like a free challenge or a free webinar, and they opted in and now they're on your email list. So these people are what I consider to be warmer than social media followers. Social media followers are great. And then we ask people to take the next step. These people are still not customers, but now it's about us getting them a win. They're on my email list. I want to get them a win. They're doing a challenge of mine. They're on a webinar. Now it's about them. It's not just me being a broadcaster on social media. Like right. here's all my stuff. It's like about you. It's like, cool, let's get you some wins. Let's have you do this challenge. Let's have you do this webinar. Let's get you into this free course, whatever it is. It's more about them and getting them some wins. And then the last I is investment content. This is your paid content. So this is now that you're working someone through there, maybe a cold lead. Now they're getting warmer. Now they're getting some wins with you. And they're what I consider to be a hot lead. And then you invite them to work with you coaching courses, group coaching, something like that, where they have to pay. And that's all the content that goes in there. So you really, that's a customer journey, free content, container content, paid content, and you're constantly moving people through that and up that pyramid. And so if you're just getting started, you can't jump right to investment content, right? You don't right. have any people. You can go create a course. People say this to me all the time. I just need to create a course. I'm like, awesome. Who's going to buy it? Right. Yeah. They're people. They're right. People. So you can create products and services all day, but you don't have the audience, then no one's going to buy it. And so you have to start with that beginning phase. So let me give you my formula for, I, I teach the five S's of social media. These are the content types that you can create. If you've ever said to yourself, yes, I know I should be posting on social. And the reason why I focus on social media, by the way, is because that's where your potential clients are already hanging out. They're not hanging out on your email list. They're not hanging out, you know, I wish they were hanging out outside my house, but they're right. on social media. So you have to go meet them there. Yep. Of course, you want to take them out of social media and get them on your email list or wherever. But social media is a place we start. And so if you've ever asked yourself, I just don't know what to post, then this is the five S's to sort of rinse and repeat. The first S is solutions. Solutions posts are just your IP. They're your intellect, your value. This is where you go to your personal training clients and say, hey, what are your what were some of your biggest questions about health and fitness? And you literally answer frequently asked questions, common concerns of the person you're trying to reach. So questions like, should I do cardio or weights first? That'd be a great piece of content, right? What should I eat after my workout? That'd be a great piece of content, right? These are low hanging fruit questions, yeah. but they're great content. And then you just share your opinion. If your client was right in front of you and asked that question, what would you say? Yep. And then put that on social. So, so solutions posts are about authority. They see you as an expert. They need to see you as an expert to trust you. Does Jill know her stuff? Okay. 
So the second S is stories posts. Stories are now about connection. So I've shared with you my solutions and now we're getting into what's my story of transformation or what's a client's story of transformation because your ideal client needs to see themselves in that story. They go, wow, Jill's really smart. She knows what to eat after a workout, but can she really get me? Could she understand my struggle? So I need to talk about the, the struggle or the transformation that I've experienced and or those of my clients this is where like case studies and testimonials and things like that come in. So people can see those stories and go, God, if she did it, I can do it. So you have to share, you can share your macro story. Like I told you the story of me driving across town yeah. at nine o'clock at night. That was my macro story. That's my business story. That's the moment everything changed for me. But I have, uh, I have micro stories of little sto- moments in time where things change for me. So think back on your own journey and go, yeah, what were some of the biggest aha moments for me and tell those stories on social media. So someone else can see that there's hope for them too. Mm. So that's the second S. The third S is your services. Now this is always the scariest for people. You have to actually talk about your coaching. If you want people to know that you do coaching, I think oftentimes we just assume we give them great value and they'll just hit us up in the DM and ask for coaching. That's like the Holy grail, but you have to invite people to work with you. So talk about who you work with, talk about who you don't work with. Talk about some of the transformations that you facilitate. What do you help people with? How do you help them, right? So you have to actually talk about your coaching and you can talk about it contextually. You can share some wins from your clients. I don't know, a really easy way for Instagram stories. Let's say you're on the phone with a client or you just got back from the gym and you just had a couple of clients and maybe you had a really great discussion with one of your clients. You're going to jump on your Instagram stories and be like, hey, you guys, I just got home from the gym and I had an amazing interaction with my clients today and I want to share it with you. So I'm talking about my coaching, but I'm also adding value at the same time. And someone's going, oh, I don't know, Jill took on clients or, oh, that's cool. She must get results for her clients. So just talk about your coaching, even if it's contextually. And then I do want you to say, if you need help, send me a quick DM or we can talk about your situation or I'm happy to help or I can definitely help you with that. Or like you have to infer a level of confidence, right? People want to feel like they're investing with someone who's done it a million times, who's competent, who's confident. So you have to talk about your services. The fourth S is what I call your superpowers. These are like what I call knowables about you. This is your personality quirks. So if you follow the movement maestro, she has a ton of these, right? She has stuff like she likes, she has the green car. So that's a big thing. She's a big like Jeep person. She has, you know, her cat, which she always includes (laughs) in her store. She has this breakfast she makes every morning. She has this coffee she drinks, right? So this is sort of pulling back the curtain and showing people the things that are, have nothing to do with your expertise, but that people can connect with. So your superpowers are your quirks. They're the funny things about you, the interesting things about you. Maybe you go for a walk every night with your spouse. Maybe you have a certain breakfast every morning. I had a client who used to have Baileys in her coffee every single day. (laughs) She'd be having those little airplane bottles of Baileys and she showed it, you know, but she was a fitness professional. It was really something that here, I'm I'm even telling you this story, which means it's, it's something that we can grab onto. Right. So those are your superpowers. And then your last is your system. Your system is how you do what you do. This is maybe your framework. This is maybe your step-by-step process. This is like the things that you believe are valuable. So for example, if you're a coach and maybe your thing is macros, that's part of your system is like everyone needs to master macro counting. So you need to know as a professional how you help people, how you help your ideal client, right? Because remember, if you're coming from the gym, you might think to yourself, well, I, I can work with anybody. Online, you have to really pick your audience. You have to figure out who exactly it is. And chances are it's going to be a previous version of you 
because you understand that journey so well, because you made that transformation yourself. So those are the five S's. And I usually recommend people just sort of rotate those, talk about those things. You have to be consistent on those. If anything, double down on the solutions and stories posts. Those are going to be the most, uh, those, we think about trust, the trust formula is authority plus relatedness. So authority, your solutions post and relatedness, your stories posts. I mean, I've done this podcast for like six years now. That's one of the most thorough answers I think I've ever gotten. That was really good. I can talk a lot, Mike. Oh, and I am totally cool with that because as I'm checking these boxes, I'm like, all right, well, I do solutions posts. I do system posts. I don't really do a lot of stories. So it's like just making me self audit and think, hmm, maybe there's some gaps here where I'm just giving people like technical information which I think is valuable, but they're like, oh, I want to know more about him or I want to know like more about his background or how he got started. Like, because those are things too. Like, I know you've done like public speaking courses and all that. And they talk to you about stories and how yep. people connect to your story. But you get tired sometimes of your own story. You feel like oh, everybody's heard that. They don't want right. to hear about my story, but not everybody has. Or somebody that's new in your ecosystem knows nothing about you. You have to keep coming back to those. So. Yeah, or someone's heard it before, but they needed to hear it at the right time, yeah. right? So maybe they've heard it before a couple of years ago, but it didn't resonate the way it is now because of where they're at. So don't assume that people have heard it, or even if they've heard it a couple of times, they need to hear it again. You know, literally, I've had people say to me, you know, I I love your stuff, but I hired you because you're also from Boston and you have you know a big Irish Catholic family, and I do too, and I feel like right. I connect with you. So they already know you're smart. You don't yeah. need to constantly be saying and showing how smart you are. Yes, sprinkle that stuff in solutions posts, but also at the end of the day, they need to know you're humans so is where the superpowers and the stories come in is like, cool, yeah. Jill's smart, but can she really get me? Are we really the same in terms of our personality? You know, when I coach the people, we spend a lot of time together. It's important that we connect on yeah. a personality level that we're similar. And so if you've had anyone reach out to you and say, oh my God, it's like, we're the same, yeah. you know, you want those me too responses just as much as you want those. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm going to try that. Right. I love it. I love it. Yep. Okay. Being conscious of your time. I want to jump into this big question and then we've got a lightning round and you can go. But for starters, big question. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Jill Coleman one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, boy. Um, You know, it's one of those things where you're like, ah, well, you know, I wouldn't be the person I am if I didn't get here today. But, you know, I think I would have, and it's hard to say because I don't know that I, I would never have considered myself a business person when I was young. I was in fitness. I love the gym, whatever. So um, I think that I would have sought out mentorship faster. Mm. I think that you know, I don't know that I'm far behind, but I think I would have been smarter about that. So now when I have clients that are in their twenties coaching with me, I'm like, God, you're way ahead of where I was. I started my business at 29. You know, I wish that I had enrolled mentorship faster, but I just didn't, I was competing and I was, you know, doing a bunch of ego stuff. And I was also really thinking I could figure it out myself and come to find out I couldn't. So I I would have taken on mentorship a lot, even if I had, you know, hundred bucks or something like that. I think, waiting until you have the money to invest is a mistake because if you invest, you're going to make a lot more money faster. So even if you only have a hundred bucks to invest, do it. It's one of the most surefire ways to fast track your lifestyle, your career, all the things is finding the right mentors and latching onto them. Yeah. 
and that will change over time. You know, if yes. you have a different goal or, you know, you really want to, you know, if you want to write a book, you got to find a mentor who can help you with that. Don't, don't look at me. Right. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> you, have to, you have to find someone who's that's their thing. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Last but not least, our lightning round. Six fairly short questions. Your answer can be as long or short as you like. Number one, what's your career highlight so far as a coach? Oh, boy. Um, God, so many. Um, I don't know. I would say it's probably just when my clients hit their goals. That's it. I mean, so I teach a launch model and when my clients nail their launches, I mean, best feeling for yes. sure. Yes. Love it. Okay. Number two, one word that best describes Shantae Cofield. <laughs> well, I would say loyal, number yeah. one. For sure. She's, she's probably, it's loyalty. I, I mean, and, and I would also say um, extremely thoughtful. That's one thing that people maybe don't know about her. I mean, obviously she's, she's everyone's best friend, but one of the things yes. that I'm really grateful for with her is that she is extremely thoughtful and feeling deeply feeling person. I love it. I love it. Number three, I'm 99.9% .9 sure I know the answer here, but why do you only coach women? What's wrong with a bro like me <laughs> coming and working with you ladies? I actually do work with a couple of guys. Okay. Um, just from a marketing perspective, it's a lot easier yes. to just go all in on, you know, women. And I do have a couple of guys that do. So I have a business course called FBA, which is my beginner to business course. It runs twice a year at six months. Um, and I usually have, I don't know, maybe five to 10% men in that group. Okay. No, yeah. I, I, I figured that was it. And the niching is important, right? You can't, if you're for everybody, you're for nobody. So, okay. Now, yeah, I mean, I don't turn away guys, but like oftentimes my sales page will literally say like, you know, for women. mentorship for women. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Number four, this is actually a serious question. You have a ton on your plate. Obviously you're doing a lot of things. So what tips do you have right now for prioritizing and focusing on the most impactful things for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really good. Um, so I'm very big on like my number one productivity tool is letting a lot of things just go undone. I know that sounds really strange for people, mm -hmm. but like automating as much as you possibly can in your life and really doubling down on your zone of genius. So instead of trying to bring your weaknesses up, I would say double down on your strengths, right? And so yep. what's your zone of genius? For me, I'm like, I'm a content creator. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cerebral intellectual. Like that's my thing, you know? So um, I'm not going to spend my time. I don't know. I'm trying to think uh, like even stuff like outsourcing, you know, cooking or cleaning or like, honestly, like I just didn't cook for 11 years, you know? And so <laughs> yeah. I think you have to you know, when I say don't, didn't cook, I don't mean I'm like hiring like a gourmet chef to make my meals. I'm like, I'm just doing little quick takeouts or like whatever, you know, protein yeah. shakes, protein bars, whatever, making it work. I think don't beat yourself up for not being good at some things and instead either bring on people to help with those things um, that either you're not good at or you don't want to do. Um, I would say, but honestly, like just one word answer, you need to have someone cover your your admin, your emails, like first, first person you should bring onto your team. Even if you only have five hours a week to give them, you should not be answering your own emails. And I know that feels like weird to some people. Like I don't outsource my content creation, yep. but someone else is out there who does it better, who likes, you know, and, and the book I would probably recommend to most people about around this is called rocket fuel by Gina Wickman. You probably heard of it. Um, and essentially it is this idea of doubling down on your strengths 
and finding workarounds for your weaknesses. And you don't need to be good at everything. You know, I, like I think that. a lot of times, especially if you're a perfectionist, right? You're a recovering perfectionist or type A personality, not everything matters. You have to figure out what does matter and be extremely discerning. And oftentimes you don't know what matters until you just do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So it goes back to that, just like overwhelm yourself to the point where you realize, oh, this actually doesn't matter all that much. And this, you know, is a big, huge dial mover. This is where I'm going to spend my time. So I don't know that you know that right out of the gate, but I would just say, you know, say yes to everything, completely overwhelm yourself. And then yeah. you'll, you'll kind of figure out what really matters. I love it. Okay. Number five, how did the physique 40 launch go? Yes. Uh, so little, just like behind the scenes for everybody, I actually don't hit my goals all the time. In fact, yeah. we probably have our goals, maybe 50% of the time. So our goal was 2,500 units. Okay. Um, and we ended up converting 1,500. Okay. So we were going to use more paid traffic. We ended up not using paid traffic. That was where the extra thousand units was hopefully going to come. Gotcha. Uh, that did not pan out, but we were happy with our, uh, we're happy with it at the end of the day. I love it. Yeah, and paid traffic is a, a whole nother game. It so. is. And again, speaking of like bringing up your weaknesses, that's not for me, right? Yeah. But like, you know, you might be at a place where you need to start doing it more to grow your audience, but you don't quite, you know, don't have $1,500 to bring on someone, you know, to retain it. So you're sort of in that weird, I work with a lot of people in that mid space where they like can't do it themselves, but they don't have the cash to to bring someone on. So it's a, it's a hard place to be, but at some point, you know, I think a lot of people look at paid traffic, like it's cheating or it's like, you know, you're paying, it's not like bots. It's basically people right. still have to opt in for stuff. Right. Uh, it's just a way to boost your efforts that you're doing organically already. Yes. Yes. Okay. Last but not least, number six, what's next for Jill Coleman? What are you working on? What are you excited about? Anything? Yeah, I'm really excited right now. So one of the things um, that we just did a little over a year ago was I already had, I had like a full-time VA up until this point, it was just the two of us. And I may had the story that I was like, I need to have this lean business and I need to be able to move and I don't want to have to manage people. And I hadn't told that story for a long time until COVID happened. And I was completely overwhelmed with, and it was an amazing problem to have, but you know, a lot of trainers and coaches came online yeah. and they were like desperate for mentorship. So I ended up taking on a ton of clients in 2020, but I didn't have any where to put them. Mm. So I ended up taking on a whole bunch of one-on-one -on -one clients to the point where I was the autonomy that I was trying to hold on to. I didn't have any more anyway. I was basically right. just doing coaching constantly. So uh, about, I would say 16 months ago, I hired, I started hiring in the business and I hired additional seven team members over the last year. Uh, Jill Fit broke seven figures for the first time a year. And essentially my, that's my goal is now is our team is good, but we're definitely in like a buffer phase. Like I'm not, sure. you know, the best at, this is a new skill set for me. So we talk about marketing and sales being a skill set, managing and leadership is also a skill set. So for me right now, we are in the thick of team building, team management, company culture, all those like really fun things that are completely new skills to me. Um, and like I said, we have obviously done well, but I'm really looking forward to, we have a team retreat, our first team retreat in like two weeks. And I'm super excited to like, just get better at making our machine run a lot smoother. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Jill, it's been amazing catching up with you today. I know you're busy. Thank you so much for your time. Where can my listeners find out more about you? Yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. This is great. Um, just at Jill fit on all the socials and then jillfit.com is the best place to just check out all the all the details but it would love if you know you guys hit me up happy to put you in the right direction of anything that you are wanting to do and just or just hit me up to connect and i can kind of keep we can just connect that way and i can keep track of what you're up to 
I love it. I love it. Well, I'll make sure I get those links in the show notes. And again, Jill, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'll talk to you soon. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's episode with Jill Coleman. Really hope you enjoyed it. I know it was fantastic just talking to her and catching up, learning about her story. And like so many of us, it's so relatable, right? Working 50, 60, 70 plus hours per week, trading our valuable time and our energy to try and make a couple extra bucks. So if you've been in that situation before, I know you can relate and hopefully, you know, learn from Jill. I mean, the stuff that she's talking about, the marketing principles, the the ideas on social media and content creation, so valuable, whether you're online, offline, doesn't matter. Following those rules and those principles are going to help you create a more successful business. So if you enjoyed this episode, please do me one of two small favors. Number one, if you're not already subscribed, what are you doing, friend? Take two seconds out of your day iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, the Amazon store, wherever you consume podcasts, go there right now, hit the subscribe button so you know each and every week when a new episode drops. Number two, if you're already subscribed, thank you. Let's go one step further. Share this episode with a fellow trainer, coach, or rehab professional that is maybe struggling They're grinding it out. They're working those really long weeks. They're trying to either grow their offline business or get into the online space. Share this episode with them. Show what Jill is doing and how they might be able to take these concepts and these strategies and these techniques that she outlines to help them build their own business and hopefully take back a little bit of their own time and energy. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you, and we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.